We've been in a series talking about worship, and what we're establishing is, is we're establishing that you and I, humanity, all of humanity, uh, we were made to worship something. And we've defined over the last handful of weeks a lot of different aspects of worship. I would highly, highly, highly suggest that you go back and go to our YouTube and, and you can watch those sermons to give you context of different attributes and different angles and maybe shift some paradigms that you have if, if you haven't been able to watch those, those messages. Last week, we talked about God's voice in our lives. The title of the message was, He Said, She Said, and God Said. And it was the story in the book of Genesis that we're going to read again here and we're going to extract a different truth out of. And ultimately, Adam and Eve in this, in this story of humanity, they knew what each other were saying, but they forgot about what God was saying. And today, to bring us back that Adam and Eve leave us in this place of this broken relationship with God, but today we're going to talk about this moment that I think is so important that sets humanity on a trajectory that Jesus Christ came back to reconcile. Let's read Genesis 3. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. And if you do, you will die. Now, there's a true statement in there, but it's not the truth. God said you can partake of this tree of life that was in the middle of the garden, but with it was this forbidden tree. It was the tree that gave us knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you should never eat from that. And the enemy is, is smart. He says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So the woman was convinced, and she saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, and so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you to not eat? The man replied, it was the woman who gave me, <laughs> it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. I kind of jumped into that last week, but ladies, it's not your fault. 
Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Today, we're going to talk about this moment that Adam and Eve have this opportunity that they've blown it. They've made, they've made a mistake, a colossal mistake. In fact, what we believe, if, if I'm a follower of Jesus, and maybe if you as a follower of Jesus, and if you don't have context for Jesus, what we believe in our faith is that this is the defining moment in humanity where humanity finds this separation in our relationship with God, that we were born into creation in God's image to worship him and him alone, to give weight to his words and his words alone. And in this moment, there was this colossal failure. The word that we use scripturally is sin, but sin really simplistically means to miss the mark. That Mankind has missed the mark and it sets humanity on this trajectory. And I, I have to think that in the moment, Adam could have just come to a different conclusion, but the conclusion he came to was to hide from God. And how many of you could see that this is futile? Because if we believe about God, what we read about God, that he knows everything, that he's everywhere and that he's all knowing, it's kind of a futile position to hide from God. But what does Adam do? He takes the position of hiding from God. But ultimately what he breaks in the moment is he breaks his posture of surrender. Today, we're going to talk about the white flag of worship called surrender. Now I want to define, number one, what surrender is. I believe that surrender is the returning. There's two things we're going to talk about today. The surrender, I believe, is the returning, and I believe it's the relinquishing. And I believe it's the returning. And, and first, in order to define that, we have to, I'm going to define what surrender is. Surrender is giving up complete control to give oneself up or laying down. This is what surrender is. And you may have a lot of pictures in your mind. When I say surrender, you may think in military terms. You may think in a battle. Now, I, I want to be clear with you that God is not at war with you. But that doesn't mean that you're not at war with God. And there's times in my life that I had to realize that even though I was feeling this tension toward God and I was maybe in this war in my brain with God, but God was not at war with me. He was in love with me. And this is important for us to understand this. And so surrendering is a laying down and laying down is the posture of worship. And that's what we've been talking about. And so worship is just to lay prostrate. It's to lay flat on your face. It's to bow low. I'm going to call this worshipful surrender. So Adam, he, he makes the choice to eat from the forbidden fruit from this tree. And he broke the surrendered posture of worship with God. And it says that while God's walking in the cool evening breeze, he calls out and what does Adam do? He runs and he says that he hid. So they hid from the Lord God. And when God calls out to him, he's like, 
what are you doing? And he said, well, I heard you, so I hid. What Adam is attempting to do is control the situation and the circumstance by hiding. And he was trying to run from God. And it sets humanity's trajectory of running from God. And maybe in your life, you've been running, you're currently running, or maybe you have run from God. And I, I, I would probably venture to guess that there are areas in all of our lives, no matter where we're at in our relationship with God, that maybe in certain parts of our heart, we're still running. Every person, as defined by what we've been talking about, I truly believe you were created to be a worshiper. So I'm going to use this term, every person as a worshiper, because you were created to worship something. And we have defined that the, the chief existence of our being is to worship God because he's worthy to give attention and affection and worth to him for that sole reason. Whether you and I believe it or not, so every single person as a worshiper has a white flag moment. This is the moment where, where you say, I'm done, I'm done running, God, from you. And I'm, I'm going to quit trying to sew together all of these things that can cover the stuff that I'm carrying that I'm feeling the burden of. And, and, and I'm done running and I can't do this any longer and your heart is arrested in this moment by the affection that God has towards you and you stop and you finally say, you can have every single part of me. I have to tell you that this morning you are surrendered to something. This is just, this is life. You're surrendered to something. Because every single one of us is a worshiper and we were made to worship, which means we were made to surrender ourselves. What are you surrendered to? Adam broke this posture of worship where he was no longer surrendered to God. He had a decision. See, being a worshiper saying, you can have it all. That's just, that's the language of a worshiper. It's just, God, you can, you can have everything. That is your original design. I, I want us to grab a hold of this. This is your original design. It's my original design is to be in a posture that says, God, you can have everything. You can have it all. I'm surrendered to you. The first step in returning to your origin of a true worshiper is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. This is where it begins. In Luke 9, 23, it says, Then he said to the crowd, this is Jesus, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You got to surrender. You 
You got to take up your cross daily. And you have to follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the entire world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? There's a moment in my life where I stopped and I said, what am I doing? If I gain everything, but I lose my life. Salvation, the saving grace of what Jesus Christ has done for you and I, is your biggest white flag moment of surrender. All caps, surrender. I will tell you today, that's, that's where the journey begins. We have to begin there. We have to begin in a returning. God is, calling, God is calling his church to return. God is calling his church. Like I'm talking about the people because you, like, you're the church, right? But, but we're the church. He's calling the people, but he's also calling the individuals that make up the people, but he's calling his people back to him. You know, that's, God's been doing that from the beginning of creation. What did he do? He walked in the cool breeze of the evening and what did he do? He called out. He's been calling from the beginning of our existence. We just haven't always been answering. And when we do, it's while we hide. And we're like, God can't see me. I'm playing hide and go see. Like, no joke. I, I walk in the door the other day and I hear this whisper. That's, that would be a, a one-year-old whispering in the corner in plain sight. And her older sister said, she's hiding. She heard you open the door and she's hiding from you. And she looks at me and she goes, I hide. You know, and as a good dad, I, I act real surprised. Like, I didn't see you there. I think that's like what God does for us. Oh, I didn't see there all in your mess, hiding. Surrender is the returning to your original design to be a true worshiper of God and God alone. We've got to return. Number two, surrender is the relinquishing. This idea of surrendering is the giving up complete control. <laughs> I gave up control, but did you give up complete control? It reminds me of like driver's education. And my kids are learning how to drive and it's super awesome because the, the people you call and they come and they come to your house and you get in the car and you drive with them and they give you control. They give my kids control to drive the car, but not complete control because they have a, a brake pedal on their side of the car. I think that's what we do with God. 
God, I'll give you the steering wheel. I just won't give you the brake or I won't give you the accelerator. And it's this, it's this idea. It's, it's, it's very, fan, it's fantastical. That's not a real, world, real word, but it's a fantasy. It's very romantic in our minds. So we love like songs like Jesus Take the Wheel. But God, you just can't have the pedals. You, you know what I'm saying? Thank you for that. <laughs> Worshipful surrender is relinquishing complete control rather than compliance. You should write that down. Worshipful surrender is relinquishing complete control rather than compliance. Here's what I mean. You can perform a duty and withhold your heart. We see this played out in relationships. We saw this played out in relationships in the, in the older part of this book we call the Bible in the Old Testament. God gets to the point with his people where he's like, because he's, he's always been about the people. He's always been about calling us back to a people. And so here's his people, the nation of Israel, and he's given them instruction on how to worship him, how to show worth to him, attention and affection. And here they are, they're doing all these things. They're making these sacrifices. They're performing the duties, but they're withholding their hearts. And he says in Hosea 6, 6, and I, I used the scripture a handful of weeks ago, and, and, and you gotta read this book. If you wanna know the depths of God's affection for you, you should read Hosea. This is what he says. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. Why? Because I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. He's saying, stop. Imagine if we employed this in society. We're, we get robotic, like, well, okay, what do I need to do? Well, I'll just perform that, but I withhold my heart from you. And we see this happen in relationships. In fact, I can tell you in almost every marriage in America, there is a moment that this becomes an issue. And in multiple times, God stops his people, the nation of Israel, and says, stop. <laughs> You're in fact withholding from me the very thing that I want. I want your heart. You know, that's why God asks us financially to give the first 10% of everything that is earned. And, and, and we see that as a shackle. We see that as a burden. But when you see that as a blessing, why? Because that's what keeps our heart anchored to God. Because it's in the moment of surrender. It is completely possible for us to therefore say that we're surrendered, I'm laying, I, I'll lay these things down physically, I'm just not laying my heart down. And God wants your heart. We've been taught in society to withhold because of hurt and pain. Because of what happened in the garden, we have learned in society to, to be surrendered in measure. Okay? Because every single one of us has a story and has a backstory. Every single one of us has been hurt and has dealt with pain. If you haven't, man, come talk to me. I want to know the family you were raised in. I want to meet them. 
They need to write a book. They need to go on a tour. They need to teach other people. But I'm telling you right now, not one person is going to be able to come to me and say, I had a perfect life. Because you didn't have perfect parents. You didn't have perfect siblings. You didn't go to a perfect, you didn't have perfect teacher. Why? At some point, you were impacted. And what happens is, is that we learn to perform duties with people around us and with God, but withhold pieces of our heart for protection. And we don't relinquish complete control. So, so the surrender of a worshiper says, I'm laying down my heart in exchange for knowing yours, God. And Jesus set the bar for complete worshipful surrender. I love this. And Philippians 2.5 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, check this out, he gave up his divine privileges. Did you know that Jesus could have been entitled? Do you know that we deal with entitlement in a massive way in society right now? And, and let me just call whatever you feel entitled to, whatever you and I feel like we deserve, let's just call them, there are divine privileges. We've actually made gods out of them. I deserve this. We've built pretty things to put them on. It says, no, but Jesus, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he did what? He humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross. <laughs> Jesus relinquishes complete control of his divine privileges. That's a massive surrender. Worshipful surrender for you and I then requires us to identify divine privileges, or I'm going to use this word, or agendas. I'm going to say this again because we got to get this. Worshipful surrender requires you and I to identify divine privileges or the agendas that you have established as most important in your life. Here are some agendas or divine privileges. Uh, personal peace. I deserve peace. Happiness. I deserve it. The best thing I ever heard in marriage counseling, and, and my wife and I had this marriage group and we read this book and it was, God, this one line in this book. And it was, it, it, what if God actually created marriage and relationship to make you holy, not happy? Well, I deserve happiness. Well, no. Actually, what you want is to be closer to God, holiness. That's where you're going to find true joy and happiness. If you're banking on your spouse or your friends or your boss... Man, I would hate to have my happiness tethered to another person's heart. Here's agenda. Here's another comfort. How about prosperity, security, relationships, or good health? Okay. Here's, here's the truth. Worshipful surrender comes with the fear of losing freedoms. The first thing that happens when I think about, God, I can, Jesus, I'll surrender my life. I'll return to you. But letting go of all this, 
whoo, there's a perception that I'm going to lose these freedoms that are divine privileges of mine. I'm not going to let go of my agendas. Any lifestyle flying its own flag higher than the white flag of worship, surrendered to Jesus, is not surrendered at all. Should I say that again? Any lifestyle flying its flag higher than the white flag of worship surrendered to Jesus is not surrendered at all. Society teaches us to value our freedoms, but fails to tell you and to tell me, catch this, we are preached at to value our freedoms especially as Americans. But I think society fails to tell you and I that God is the original source of your freedom. So we propagate agendas. We push them. I don't have an agenda. I want you to know something as, as a pastor and maybe as your pastor, I'm not gonna be presumptuous. I want you to know in your life, I have no agenda for you in your life except this one thing, that you would be fully surrendered and return to Jesus. that you would dare to give over your divine privileges. Luke 4.16 says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home. This is, this is a beautiful, if you want to know what Jesus was about, that I, I, lo- I love this passage. When he, who is he, Jesus, came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. Freedom. That blind will see. That we will no longer be walking in the darkness. That the oppressed will be set free. Oppressed by sin. Oppressed by self and societal pressures. And it says, and it, 
and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I want to tell you something. The time of the Lord's favor has come. And I don't feel like it's like this marked moment, like this Sunday on, you know, in 2021 is just today is the day. The time of the Lord's favor has come because Jesus Christ, the one that we need to return to and surrender, he came and he paid the price and says, while we were yet still sinners, He gave us the opportunity to fly the white flag and to put it at the top of the flagpole and everything else can be surrendered to that. And we no longer have to live in captivity to all of these things. We no longer have to walk in darkness. That every single moment as you and I walk in our lives, we can literally walk from moment to moment, surrendering from moment to moment. And every single moment is the time of God's favor in your life. That's what Jesus Christ has given us. Surrender relinquishes you from captivity of sin, self, and societal pressure in order to set you free. Now, I, 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 I want to acknowledge this as we wrap up today. I want, I, I want, you, I want you to know I'm going to acknowledge this. Worshipful, this idea of worshipful surrender, this is a difficult prospect. But I want you to understand why we need to do this. Because I, I think every single person, what we want is we want to know the pathway forward. I'm going to tell you it begins in surrender and returning to Jesus and relinquishing control, complete control. Why? Because you can't move forward if you're holding on. <laughs> Sometimes even, even if it's scary, you got to let go and you just got to jump. And that's the moment that I think we're at. That's the moment that God is bringing his church back to. That is the moment that he's bringing you to this morning. Is that you, you can't, I want you to know. It's okay. I, I'm acknowledging it's a difficult prospect. And then there might be some fear and some discomfort. But you can't, you can't actually move forward if you're holding on and you won't let go. It doesn't work that way. And it's a difficult process of relinquishing total control to him. But it begins with surrender and returning to Jesus. The next week, I'm going to talk about sustaining surrender. So, so you're, you're, you're going to want to be with us because I think this is important. Because a lot of us struggle with this. Well, I surrendered and then I, like, I'm dealing with this stuff still. It's like, how do we sustain this? We need to talk about this. But today, here's, here's my question for you. What or who are you surrendered to? Is it Jesus? Being fully surrendered to Jesus, returning to being surrendered to Jesus, will not make your life perfect. But it will correct your posture. Why don't you stand with me?
Now we have to have a moment of practical challenge here. So I'm gonna challenge us this week. And I always try to make these very simple because <laughs> I need simple in my life. Because I think this, I think this idea of surrender sounds gr- like, oh, preach it, pastor. But in practical terms, it's hard. Like, I, I want you to know, I'm acknowledge- it's hard, it's difficult sometimes to surrender those things, to surrender your life. So I want you to write down the top three items that are most important to you currently. Like literally, there's something powerful about you taking a pen or a pencil and writing it down. Don't type it in your phone. Like this is crazy, that's crazy talk now. I'm talking, I want you to write it down, the top three items right now that are the most important to you. And then we're gonna activate ourselves this week spiritually and we're gonna invest one minute because you can do anything what? (laughs) You can do anything one time. So I want you to invest this week, one minute sitting quiet and relinquishing those three things to Jesus. Here's the prayer. I even gave you a prayer this week. This is the prayer. Today, Jesus, I am yours. Why? Because we have to start in the returning. Some of you this morning need to return to Jesus. If that's you right now, as I say this, I want you to make this your personal prayer and return. For the rest of us, maybe we need to be reminded. And so you can pray this with us as well. And this is the prayer. Today, Jesus, I am yours. I am laying myself down by laying down all of my concerns my cares, my desires, and my dreams. And today you can have it all. Now, if you prayed that today, and that was the first time you've ever prayed that, I do not want to miss this moment with you because you just took an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus and you just became part of a people. You didn't, you didn't become an individual on an island who now is in a relationship with Jesus. You just stepped into a family. You just stepped into a people group. And so we have a responsibility to the people. And so I want you to identify yourself. If you're watching our online campus, I just simply want you to say, hey, I would love to, like, there, there are leaders right now on every one of our platforms that are able to take this conversation offline. I just want you to, to raise your virtual hand and say, hey, this is me. I'm returning. You can just type, I'm returning. If that's you in the room, do not leave this room without being identified. This is important. Because if you don't leave identified, You came in as an orphan, and I don't want you to leave as an orphan. You are not orphaned. You are now part of a people and a family. So if you're here physically with us on campus, I want you to say, come find someone who's at the front and say, I'm returning. Let's bow our heads. Father, we are returning to you. We're surrendering to you.
It's our biggest white flag moment. And we're relinquishing complete control. We are not gonna fly any other flag, any other agendas flag higher than the flag that we are flying that says I'm surrendered to you. Today we are yours. Today I am yours. You can have it all. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen.